Lost in Wonder, I'm Lost in Love. What a great song to remind ourselves of the incredible truth of the gospel, what the gospel can do in the lives of men and women, boys and girls. So great that so many folk have uh, added their comments of encouragement to Beth. Please do keep them coming. We'll make sure that Beth is able to see those. And that uh, we're so grateful for Beth for having the courage to, to share her story of her journey to faith in Christ with us this morning. Well, I'm so thrilled that uh, yesterday our women's ministry team sharing the journey uh, organized a Zoom gathering uh, for some of the ladies in the life of the church. And we just want to say thank you to the team for doing that. Provided such a great opportunity yesterday morning for our ladies to gather, to reflect together, to think together in their journeys of faith. So, so very grateful. Well, for those of you I don't know, my name's uh, Chris Brockway. I have the absolute joy and the privilege this morning of opening up God's Word in the second of our teaching series that we began last weekend. Well, if you were able to join us online last weekend, because once again, we weren't able to gather physically, you'll know that we did start this new teaching series, and it's looking at some of the one another statements that are captured in the Bible. Now, this series is very much a preparation in anticipation of us coming back together physically, indoors, in number, in the not-too-near future. It's felt like an eternity, hasn't it, that we've been apart since we gathered together in our church buildings. Well, last weekend, we were thinking about Jesus' command to love one another. He says, love one another as I have loved you. In summary, what I said last week was this, is that we are loved by Jesus, to love like Jesus, to display Jesus. Now, when we first started planning this teaching series, we were anticipating that the COVID restrictions were going to be removed on the 21st of June. That was last Monday. We anticipated that this coming Sunday today would be the first Sunday when we would have opportunity to gather together indoors in any significant number. Well, Boris wisely decided otherwise. Our one another statement for today is greet one another. Greet one another, which then goes on to say, greet one another with a holy kiss. Well, I wonder if you're somebody who's missed physical contact with other people during the course of the last 16 months or more. I know that many of us have been craving hugs and kisses from other people, and it was the best thing ever, the most liberating thing ever, when Boris decided about a month or so ago that we were allowed to hug and kiss our close family and friends. It's a crazy thought, isn't it, that our ability to hug or to kiss another person or not was being controlled by the government. Wind the clock back two years, and that would have been a preposterous thought, and yet that has been our reality. Of course, there are others of us who might be in the category of people who say, I am not a hugger, and the past season probably has been bliss for you. I saw a t-shirt that you can see on the screen now in the shops the other day, which said this, I am fully vaccinated, but I am still not a hugger. It's been very amusing, hasn't it, over the past few weeks, negotiating the hugger or not hugger social distance dance, hasn't it? Do you know what I mean? To hug or to not hug, that is the question. Shall we dance awkwardly as we try and work it out together? This hugging thing was complicated before COVID, and now the social awkwardness around hugging is even more nuanced. Well, in our scripture reading this morning, the Apostle Paul tells the church that they should greet one another with a holy kiss. 
or as it says in the message version of the Bible, pass the greetings around with holy hugs. Of course, at the moment, it would be more like pass the COVID around with your holy hugs. Clearly, COVID wasn't a problem in the Apostle Paul's day. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The dominant word there is the word greet, but Paul in his day does go on to qualify how that greeting should happen with a kiss. Well, if you've got a Bible, let's turn together to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I'm going to read from verse 13 uh, onwards this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. It says, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous and be strong. Do everything in love. You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and they've devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to submit to such people and to everyone who joins in the work and labors for it. I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunatus, and uh, Achaeus, all these unpronounceable names, arrived because they have supplied what is lacking from you. For they refresh my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila, Priscilla greet you warmly in the name of the Lord. And so does the church that meets in their house. All the brothers and sisters here send you greetings. Here it is. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. If anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. Come, Lord, Paul says. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, before we get going by digging into these scripture verses and trying to discern what they mean for us today, let me quickly tell you what our professional stance is as ministers on this theme of hugging and of kissing. The guidance we have from the Baptist Union is actually quite amusing in the section that talks about the avoidance of the transmission of COVID. It says this, do not touch anything you don't have to. It then does go on to say, keep physical contact as minimal as possible. Now, as such, Kay, myself, our staff team have temporarily entered into the category of I am not a hugger or a kisser. Boo, hiss, COVID. Although we are aware that some of you are thrilled that this is the case. I mean, I wouldn't want a hug from myself either. Anyway, back to our scripture reading. In all that comes before chapter 16, this last chapter in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul's been sharing loads of practical theology. He shared a lot of doctrine with the church that's based there in Corinth. Now, in some instances, he's speaking about very specific issues that are pertinent to them in their particular place. But in other sections of these scriptures or in this book, he's, he's been speaking generally to all believers. And today's one another state, statement, greet one another, is a general instruction. It's a command for all Christians at all times in all churches, not something that was specific to the church only in Corinth in their time. Although the kissing bit may have been context specific. We'll talk about that more in a moment. In chapter 15, the one just before the verses that we've heard, Paul has been teaching about a foundational piece of the gospel of the good news. He's been talking in great depth and with great excitement about the resurrection. Chapter 15 famously contains, contains the words, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where is your sting? 
Now, if you've never read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you absolutely must, not only because it contains some of the most hope-filled words in the whole of Scripture for us, but also because then you'll know what's likely to be read at your funeral service. Paul's teaching about the resurrection in chapter 15 then flows immediately into an exhortation about how we're to live with peace and with confidence with God, but too with one another. In chapter 16, Paul has kind of moved into the conclusion of his letter. Like most letters at the end, it's a bit of a mopping up exercise where he speaks about money in verses 1 to 4. He talks about opportunities for hospitality in verses 5 through to 9. And then most uh, importantly for our purposes today, he talks about the place of people in verses 10 through to 24. Do you know, it's really interesting to me that these three things, money, opportunities for hospitality and people appear together because it seems to me that these are some of the most valuable resources that we have that we can use generously to bless others in the kingdom of God. And God's challenge through Paul is that we must manage these resources really well. He says, be generous with them. On the theme of money, Paul says in summary, use it as an act of worship. Use it to bless others. On the theme of hospitality, which we'll return to on the last Sunday of our One Another series, as we think about this theme together, Paul says, look, take every advantage of every opportunity that comes your way to bless another person and do it without excuse and do it without grumbling. And then we get to the theme of people, including the bit about greeting one another with a holy kiss. It seems really significant that Paul devotes the most time in this chapter speaking about people. Money and opportunities for hospitality are important, but those two things we could say are useless without people. So maybe that's why Paul spends so much time on the people theme. Now, in his closing words, Paul mentions a a few people, Timothy, Apollos, Stephanus, and his household, Aquila and Priscilla. And he says in verses 13 to 14, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. Now, each of the individuals that Paul mentions here are not only souls that had come to faith in Christ and had been one for the kingdom, but they've gone on to be friends, they've gone on to be mission partners of Paul's. I think these people are wonderful examples of people who fulfilled that commission that's captured in verses 13 to 14. And Paul takes some time to stop and to celebrate, uh, to remind people that actually these people have come to faith and to their significant leaders in the church. But I think, too, this commission is a really great challenge for us. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything out of love. These words would be great to memorize, wouldn't they? But even better than that, to apply to our lives. I wonder whether we could use these verses as something of a spiritual MOT to review our lives at least once a year to see how well uh, our lives reflect these instructions. Well, I wondered if I was to ask you to describe the Apostle Paul, I wonder what you would say about him. I'm guessing many of us would say things like, well, Paul, he was serious, he was brilliant, he was logical, he was reverent, studious, thoughtful, dedicated, driven, committed. He was a no-nonsense, determined kind of a guy, and all of that would be true. If you read much of the content of his letters, I think that would be a fair summary. He doesn't sound like the kind of guy you want to go for a casual drink with at the pub and a chat, does he? 
And yet our verses this morning remind us that there's something much deeper to Paul. There's more to his character even than those words. You see, what we discovered today is that Paul has a massive heart for people and he is a man who's passionate about community. Paul ends his letter with these words, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. You see, Paul's heart for people is very much on display in these words, isn't it? He wanted this church in Corinth, these fledging believers who were living in complicated situations in the world to get what they didn't deserve and to get what the world simply couldn't offer them, the grace and the blessing of God through Christ Jesus. Even after speaking to them, as he's done throughout this letter, into all the problems that existed in this messed up church, Paul lets this messed up church know that he loves them and he reminds them that God's grace is sufficient for them. There's hope for us yet, isn't there? And one of the ways he he challenges them, one of the ways he says you can express your love for other followers of Christ, for our brothers and sisters in the faith, is to greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, I've already said that the dominant word here is the word greet, but then he does go on to indicate how, at least in his day, that greeting should happen. Significantly, this isn't the only place where Paul gives out this command, or this command is captured in Scripture. In fact, this command is issued five times in the New Testament to different churches. And as such, we can be absolutely sure that this instruction wasn't unique only to the church in Corinth, but Paul felt that this practice should be common in every church that he knew of. Well, if you know anything about the culture that Paul was speaking into, you'll know that a quick kiss on the cheek or on both cheeks was a very common greeting. It still is in many parts of the Middle East and around the Mediterranean, or or as my friend said yesterday, it's very common amongst lovies as well. Everyone greets everyone else with a kiss. Men to men, women to women, men to women, women to men. From Paul's day, early Christians then went on to formalize this kissing of greeting as a holy expression. A holy expression of family bonds between believers in Jesus. This kiss communicated something more than mere pleasantries, like we might communicate with a high five or a knuckle bump or an elbow bump, as we've got used to in the last uh, few years. It communicated something more than just a quick and a cursory handshake. The kiss, a holy kiss, was a confident, public, outward statement of peace and of love and of affection and unity between people who shared a love of God. In the Bible, the the holy kiss was a tangible sign of love and respect and friendship and honor. It was a mark of innocent affection. In fact, if you skim through the pages of the Bible, you'll find plenty of examples of this. Jacob kissed his father. Laban kissed Joseph. Esau kissed Jacob. Aaron kisses Moses. Moses kisses Jethro. Naomi kisses Ruth. David kisses Jonathan. The father kissed the prodigal son. What a precious kiss that is. In fact, if you read the story of Paul, you discover the whole church in Acts land on his neck and give him kisses uh, before he departs. The holy kiss was evidently practiced within the life of the church. 
during a worship time, there would often be a time of greeting where men would kiss men and women would kiss um, women. Everyone kissed everyone on the cheek or on the forehead or in the case of men, maybe in the case of some of the women too, on their beard. It was a sign of intense relationship within the family of God. I guess my point this morning is this, is there's something really important about this physical act which we shouldn't ignore. A kiss is not the same as a handshake. Ask Matt Hancock about that and he'll tell you it's true. They didn't just talk about being family here in the church. They were family and the holy kiss served as an outward symbol of their inward love and unity for one another. It was a holy kiss because it was exchanged between holy people. It was a holy kiss because they truly felt they were brothers and sisters in one great big family. Now, I would imagine if I was part of the church back then that it would be pretty difficult, although I guess it's possible, to maintain resentment or to keep arguments going between believers when they had to kiss one another in a greeting especially when that kiss symbolized a depth of unity and of love. Augustine, who was a bishop and a theologian 400 years after Jesus, said this of the early church. They demonstrated their inward peace by their outward kiss. Isn't that brilliant? They demonstrated their inward peace by their outward kiss. And I think in saying what he says there, that Augustine has entirely hit the nail on the head of the purpose that lies behind Paul's instruction. Paul is challenging the church here not only to talk about love and to commit to loving each other inwardly, but he's saying there also needs to be a means by which the church can outwardly express the love that they have for one another. An inward love outwardly expressed. Now, this needs to be said. The holy kiss signified innocent affection. It was nothing more. It was nothing less. There was no hint of sexuality or sensuality or or impropriety about it. So I wonder, what does all this mean for us today? Should we be recapturing the idea of a holy kiss in the church uh, here in Christchurch today? Should we be uh, pioneering the lost art of the holy kiss at CBC? I can already sense that some of you are thinking about joining a different church. Should we be holy kissers? Should we be holy huggers today? Well, not necessarily. But I think that the holy kiss does and it can have its place where it's mutually beneficial and where it's mutually invited. But I think we also need to be very careful I jokingly expressed at the very beginning that no one wants to be the recipient or not everybody wants to be the recipient of physical attention from another person. And pastorally, we understand that there's really good reasons from people's life history why they would find this very difficult. We also need to be very careful from a safeguarding perspective. I do, however, think that our one another statement today, greet one another with a holy kiss, leaves us with a practical challenge in the church today. How do we recapture the dynamic of the early church so that we can tangibly express our love and our unity to one another? Now, that may not be with a holy kiss or a holy hug, especially during a time of pandemic. But nonetheless, such love and such commitment still needs to be tangibly expressed. Isn't one of the problems that most of us confront in life that somehow our words never seem enough? 
Most of us are not a Shakespeare. Most of us are not a Wordsworth who have this incredible ability to articulate using our lips what our hearts might be feeling. My experience in life all too often is that I talk the talk, but my message simply doesn't get through in the way that I hoped it would. I love you all deeply, but I wonder how much you really know that this morning. And that's the whole point about the holy kiss. If there's one thing that we've discovered, even craved in the last 18 months, it's appropriate touch, appropriate physical contact, or we might say close proximity with other people. Because an action can and does speak a thousand words. Words which oftentimes I have the inability to string together into a coherent sentence. When you hug someone or when you put a friendly arm around their shoulder or when you greet someone with a kiss or a hug, you're sending a message, aren't you, that can't be missed. I care about you. You're not alone. We're in this together. Do you know what? You're part of the family that I'm part of. We're united in Christ. You see, we live our Christian lives today with a challenge that Paul never had to deal with in his day. Nowadays, there's a risk that we substitute technology for personal contact or vice versa. We email or we text or we tweet rather than rocking up at one another's homes. Now, there's nothing wrong with sending electronic communication, but there's nothing like, is there, being there in person, face-to-face, in close proximity with another person, as the last 18 months has reminded us. And that's one of the reasons why the internet church, the church of St. Pixel, the megabyte, will never, ever take the place of the physically gathered local church. And that's why I hope that none of us will ever be contented with this experience of church, the online-only experience of church community, even if, as a church, we provide that for other reasons. You see, you can't give a holy kiss or the contemporary equivalent of that on the World Wide Web. An emoji just doesn't cut it in the real world, does it? Now, I'm not necessarily advocating this morning for the literal practice of the holy kiss, since I don't think we have a custom today that perfectly parallels what they did in the early church. And I'm not entirely sure that holy kisses are necessarily appropriate in all situations. In some situations, they are. But in other cases, it would only make another person feel uncomfortable. Different people express themselves in different ways. But I don't think that we're free to ignore this command to greet one another as if it doesn't apply to us today. The early Christians who were hated and persecuted by the way for their faith loved each other fervently and they weren't afraid to show it to one another. I wonder what does that look like for us today? Well, as I draw to a close, I want to encourage you to do at least two things as you respond to this message today. And the first thing is this, I'd love for you this morning to ask yourself a question. Is there a Christian friend or a Christian brother or sister in Christ who I could not give a holy kiss to because actually that would be too hard and it would be too difficult? Even if that holy kiss actually is a metaphor for some other form of appropriately and tangibly expressing our love to them, is there somebody who you couldn't offer that kind of a greeting to? I want to suggest that if there is such a person, then that probably means that there's something between the two of you which needs to be settled. The good news is this, you don't have to kiss one another, but the command of our text today says you do need to greet one another, you do need to get it settled, and that greeting is a sign of your unity and your togetherness in the family of God. 
Well, maybe there's a second response as well, which is I'd love to challenge us to think about what it looks like to take one or two steps towards greeting a brother or sister in Christ uh, for the first time or afresh or in a new or perhaps a different way. That might mean a phone call. It might mean inviting somebody for lunch or for an evening meal. It might mean opening up your home, perhaps sending them a letter or sending them a surprise gift. Just maybe even it might be offering to them a hug or a kiss if that's COVID appropriate. There are lots of ways, aren't there, that we can apply apply this message if only we're willing. But I guess the underlying challenge of all that Paul said to the church in Corinth and the challenge that I want to leave with us this morning is that we must be genuine, we must be sincere in the way that we greet one another. We must find ways of showing our inward love outwardly. And when we do that, as we discovered last weekend, the world will look on and the world will see that we are Christ's disciples by the love that we display one to each other. Whatever the means of our greeting that we use, it must be genuine. We need to find culturally appropriate, other person sensitive ways of showing affection and of showing love and of showing unity in the life of our local church. So I finish just a very quick story. A few of us a few days or a few weeks ago now had the amazing privilege of going to visit a school that Joe, uh, a member of our church here, is the deputy head teacher of. And it's a school for children who are aged over the age of 16, post-16, children with special and additional needs. And we went because they were opening up a brand new coffee shop, and we went, if you like, as guinea pigs so they could try out their customer service skills on us. And as we gathered, and we stood outside the door, and then the doors of the cafe were opened, a, a chap called Guy greeted us with the most genuine, the most affectionate, and the most amazing greeting I've ever heard. As the door opened, he simply announced to the whole room and to us, well, we offer a very warm welcome to our royal guests who are with us today. In any other context, that might not have sounded sincere or genuine, but in this context, it was the warmest, most affectionate greeting we could possibly have received. I wonder, what does it look like for us to offer the kind of greeting that Guy offered in the life of the church especially when we find ourselves in a difficult situation with COVID. Greet one another, says scripture. Do it genuinely, do it with affection, do it with a holy kiss, whatever that means for us today. The challenge for us as a church, as I draw to a close, is this. We need to find ways of showing our inward love outwardly. I wonder, how are you going to do that this week? Let's pray together.